I'll tell you this little story. Some of you will have heard it before. Uh, it has nothing to do with what I'm about to say, but I love this little story. Um, after church, uh, one Sunday afternoon, the pastor was sitting around his lunch table with his family, and um, they were just having a general conversation, and a little girl, halfway through lunch, looked up at his dad and said, uh, Dad, why is it you, you know, before you pray, you just be quiet and close your eyes like this for a minute? And uh, the pastor says, well, I'm just asking God to help me preach a good sermon. Great thing to do. Little girl says, well, why does he never answer your prayers? <laughs> Come on, let's bow our heads. We're going to pray and just ask God to do some great stuff as we share together this morning. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you have placed your love in our hearts. Thank you for your word that says... You have loved us with an everlasting love and therefore with loving kindness you have drawn us. And Lord, this morning, as we just share around your word, we pray that you would draw us close to your heart. Lord, I pray for a revelation of your love into our hearts and lives. Let us know your love this morning in the name of Jesus. And just before we kick in, maybe you don't feel love this morning. Maybe you don't feel loved in all sorts of ways. I want to say this to you. God loves you. God is love. He loves you so much that Jesus Christ died to be your saviour, your Lord, your forgiver, your healer, and to give you a great hope and a future. But he also died so that the love of God, the love of heaven may penetrate our lives and that we would be transformed by his love. If you don't know the love of God this morning, just take another breath in right now and breathe in the love of God. He loves you. He loves you. Everybody say with me, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And once more, he loves me. Amen. Amen. Oh, isn't God good? Woo. Um, have we got our... Oh, the amazing Sam. Give Sam a, a big round of applause, you know. I love these guys who just do stuff and you don't see them and they just stuff happens. It's, it's amazing. Um, just work with me for a few minutes, if you would, um, starting with a quick question. How has God used you over this past year? I don't want people to be shy or embarrassed either way, but I'm going to ask you to put your hand up uh, if God has used you in different ways over the last year. Will you work with me for a minute? Uh, you will discover why. Uh, in a few moments. So, uh, anybody put up their hand who has had the privilege of leading somebody to Jesus uh, over the last year? Okay, we've got a few hands going up. No, don't be shy. Put them nice and high. I, I can't see the lights. I've seen the lights. It's too much, though. Um, okay, uh, who has had the privilege of praying for people and God using them to see people healed? Anybody? Over the last year, ooh, a few more hands gone up there. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, anybody had the privilege of God using them to preach or bring a testimony or something uh, in, from, from platforming? Wow, a few more hands going up. Yeah, you're doing really, really well, everybody. Uh, just a couple more. Uh, who's had the privilege of God using them on things like a worship team or playing instruments in any church, not just here, anybody? Got a few hands going up. Okay, who's had the privilege of God using them to encourage somebody else over the last 12 months? Oh, a few more hands going up, okay. Uh, anybody uh, that feels that God has used them just to say a kind word or to support somebody else over the past year? 
Oh, a few more hands going up. Um, okay, put your hands down. What I want us to notice this morning is that as we went through those questions, more and more hands went up. As we moved, if you like, from the, the, the upfront or if you like, the big spectacular things that we look for, okay, we move from them through to, if you like, the more everyday, day-to-day stuff that God uses us in. Uh, more hands went up the more we went on that journey. Um, now, I love the spectacular stuff of Christian life. Amen? Okay. I love it when, when people reach others for Jesus and people come to faith and their lives get transformed by the love and the power of Jesus. And they perhaps come to church depressed and they go away full of his love and life. And you say, oh, hallelujah. Amen. That's wonderful, isn't it? Spectacular. I love it when people get healed and we pray for them and, and spectacular things happen. People get out of wheelchairs, deaf ears get open and blind people begin to see. I love that spectacular stuff of Christian living. But here's the reality. Most of us, I hope, will experience some of that at some point in our Christian journey. But the reality is that for most of us, that will not be our day-to-day experience of living with God. Should we look for it? Of course we should look for it. Should we believe for it? Of course we should believe for it. But the reality is that most of us will experience that from time to time. The thing is, we can get into our minds this thought that if God isn't using me in the spectacular, he's not using me at all. I want to get that thought out of our heads right at the beginning of our service of the preach this morning. You see, I believe God uses the spectacular, but I also believe this, this, that the consistent godly living is just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the spectacular things that God does at times to time in our lives. The day-to-day, consistent godly living, just as powerful, if not more powerful. You know, there's far more instructions in the Bible on how to live a great life than there is on how to raise the dead. Yeah, Matthew chapter 5 to 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount is not a masterclass on how to go and heal the sick and reach the world for Jesus. Actually, in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through three chapters, and he tells the disciples and the crowds of people on the mountain, he tells them how to live their life day by day, just doing what God wants us to do, and just living in the way that God wants us to live. It's not a masterclass on the spectacular, it's a masterclass on just being consistent for Jesus. Consistent attitudes, consistent grace, consistent love, consistent generosity. Now, who wants to do spectacular stuff for God? Go on, raise your hands nice and high. Woo! Okay, uh, just so we get some balance, I just pray that God would release gifts of miracles into your life. I pray that your faith level would rise to new heights in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would know the spectacular stuff in your Christian journey that the apostles knew in the book of Acts. I pray that you would experience that. But I pray above all else that each of us would learn and live in the reality of just being consistent about God, what God wants us to do every day of our lives, because I believe that's powerful. 
And there's, um, there's one area of consistent godly living that I want us to look at this morning. We haven't got time to go through the whole thing. It's, it's so, too much um, a, a subject. But just one thing about consistent godly living is this. God calls us to consistently love and care for each other. Um, should have a couple of Bible verses come up. Oh, thank you, Sam. Okay, Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. 1 John 3.16. We all know, well, most of us will know John 3.16. Okay, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Uh, Of course, Jesus himself said, love one another as I have loved you. Consistent, genuine care among the Christians is hugely, hugely powerful. Of course, it's, that sort of care isn't very often spectacular. It often happens under the radar. We don't make a song and a dance about helping each other. And yet, if we want to be a real, powerful, moving, growing fellowship of believers in this world, this is something that we really need to put into practice in our own lives and actually as a corporate body. Um, spectacular is great. Let's believe God for more of it consistently loving and caring for each other is also great. Let's believe God for more of it. Uh, So the three questions I want to ask and try to unpack this morning over the next few minutes about caring and loving for each other um, that perhaps help us a little bit on this journey. Uh, First question, why is caring for each other so important? Why is it important? We live in a a very me-focused world, don't we? And all too often we live in a very me-focused version of Christianity where this is all about me having my needs met, me getting my weekly fix of worship, me and my journey of faith in God. Uh, If we're not careful, the the Christian life that we have and even churches can become very, very me-focused where I become the most important person in my discipleship and my journey of living like Jesus. And yet, God makes it quite clear. 1 John 3.16, knowing the love of God and growing in that love of God is this. We lay down our lives for each other. It's important. It shows our level of discipleship in three ways. Firstly, it's, it's really important because serving each other is actually the way that we serve God. Uh, have you ever thought about how you actually serve God? Uh, I mean, we serve him in worship and prayer, yeah? Uh, worship by its very nature means to serve, okay? So I serve God in my worship and prayer. Uh, I serve God by telling other people about him and doing things. And I serve God perhaps as a steward or on the children's team in church, all really, really important. But how do you serve God When you leave this building and tomorrow morning you go to work and you sit with your colleagues or you sit around the dinner table with your family, how do you serve God? We serve him by serving each other. Um, Chris mentioned Matthew 25 just a couple of weeks ago when he was preaching. Matthew 25 has the story of the sheep and the goats, and, and many of us will know it. 
how Jesus separates the sheep from the goats and he says to, to both of them, uh, you, well, he says to the sheep, uh, I was sick and you came and you, you visited me. I was in prison, you visited me. Uh, I was hungry and you gave me food. I didn't have any clothes and you gave me clothes. Jesus says all that to them. And the sheep say, well, when did we visit you in prison or give you clothes or give you food? And Jesus says this, get this, get the reality of this, okay? Jesus said, whatever you did for them, you did for me. He doesn't say you did that because I told you to. He doesn't say you did that in obedience to me. He doesn't say you did that because, I, again, I wanted you to. No, he actually goes further. He says, what you did for them, you actually did for me. Can we please get out of our thinking any separation between serving people and serving God? Because when we serve one another, we are actually serving Jesus Christ himself. It's not a separation. There is no divide between our Christian life and our secular life. There is no distinction between secular and sacred. What we do for each other, we do for Jesus, okay? Um, the other side of that is what we don't do for each other, we don't do for Jesus as well. Let's not major on that. I want us to be positive this morning. Um, so why do we care for each other? Because it's the way we serve God. Uh, second reason, it, it gives us a godly purpose. This was a little bit of revelation that came to me uh, a few weeks ago. You've probably worked this out years ago, most of you, but for me, this is something that, that sparks in my head, this line of thinking. Um, again, work with me. Does God care for you? Yes. <laughs> You're so much enthusiastic about that, aren't you? Come on, let's be all in this morning, okay? I am persuaded. Does God care for you? Amen, yes. Uh, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Uh, in the book of Genesis as well, we read that we were created in the image of God. So we have this caring God who by his very nature is love. He's made up of love. That is who he is. And then he made us in his image, if you like, with part of his DNA. So we carry the characteristics, or at least some of the characteristics, of God Almighty. What does that mean? It means that God made you a caring person. If he is love, and we're made in his image, we are made in the image of love. We ourselves are made to be love. We are made to care for each other. So our purpose in life is to become more, more and more like the image that God made us to be, yeah? to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. That means if I'm going to fulfill my godly purpose, if I'm going to be the person that God made me to be, actually, I need to care and love each other. It's about God's purpose for my life. It's who, you made me, who God made you to be. I know sometimes we have a bit of a joke in church and we say certain people aren't pastoral um, or, you know, because they like to have a joke or wind people up or whatever. Um, Actually, I'll come back to this at the end. God made each and every one of you to be pastoral people. He made each and every one of you to care and to love others. And we'll revisit that thought in a, a few moments. Uh, so caring for each other is important because it's the way we serve God. It's the way that we fulfill our godly purpose. And here's the third reason why it's so important. It's one of the ways we demonstrate Jesus to the world. Um, John 13, 35, by this all men will you know you are my disciples. It doesn't say if you raise the dead, heal the sick and reach thousands of people for him at that point in time. All that's important. He says, by this all men will know you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. People know we belong to Jesus 
by love for each other. We often separate pastoral ministry from evangelism or pastoral ministry from mission um, in the church. You know, we care for each other in the church and we do mission in the world. Um, and I understand the reasons for that. Sometimes you do have to departmentalize things to make it work. But actually, Jesus here links the two very strongly together. It's linked. I, I believe this, that our care for each other it's one of the most powerful testimonies to the world that Jesus is alive in us. I really believe that. Perhaps we just need to let it out a little bit more. And here's an interesting thought linking care and mission. How can we really care for those outside the kingdom if we don't show that care for those inside the kingdom first? We have to love each other to demonstrate Jesus. If you're still not sure about this, um, Acts chapter 4, verse 42 to 47 talks about the early church. And uh, it says that the apostles did miracles. It said that they met together. And it says they had all things in common. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you read through that passage, perhaps when you get home, Acts chapter 4, 42 to 47, you will see that there was no big evangelistic crusade in the early church. Okay, they didn't decide to put up a tent or hire out a stadium and bring a, an evangelist from or wherever the other side of the world would have been at that point in time. Uh, they didn't print loads of posters and, and post everything on social media. No, they just did what they did and God added to their numbers. Yes, they did the miracles. Yeah, it says the great signs and wonders were done through the apostles. So they, they did miracles, they did the spectacular. But they also had everything in common. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, I, I believe in big evangelism. I really, really do. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me this morning. You know, I, I, I would love to be part of those Reinhard Bonnke crusades. I would just love to go and experience that, you know, where you just see the, the crowds going on forever. Uh, I, I love it when we do evangelism uh, on Kingswood Green uh, that we did for the fun day and things like that. I believe in real strong evangelism. Uh, I believe in the signs and wonders. And, oh God, I pray that you would visit us again with real genuine signs and wonders. Let this be a day of the miraculous, we pray in Jesus' name. But you know, if we add great care to powerful signs and wonders with a great passion for reaching the world for Jesus, I believe those three elements together and all those three together will create an unstoppable movement of mission that can roll through this region, through this city, across the nation and across the world. But our love and our care has got to be really central to that. Why is it important? It's the way we serve God. It taps into the very reason that God made us to be, and it's one of the most important ways of demonstrating Jesus to the world. Okay, let's move on. Okay, how should we care for each other? Um, I hope I've inspired you a little bit about why, how. Um, firstly, we need to care for each other up close. Some would say up close and personal. I don't want to scare you off this morning, so we stopped it up close. Um, how do we care for each other? Up close, there's a difference between caring about somebody and caring for somebody. 
Let me give you this illustration that I just made up. Okay. I want you to imagine that you're on safari. Uh, let's say Uganda. We've got some people to go into Uganda soon. Okay, John and Helen. Who else is going to Uganda in a few weeks? Okay, we've got Lynn and Martin. Okay. Um, and yeah, Victor isn't a Victor, okay? Uh, they're going off to Uganda, okay? Imagine they're in Uganda on safari. I don't know if you won't have enough time for fun stuff, will you, on mission? You will. <laughs> okay, imagine they're in Uganda on mission, okay, uh, on this safari. <laughs> and they're driving along in the Land Rover and they along this big dusty path, and they come across a lion that's been hurt. Everybody say, oh. Okay. This lion's obviously been attacked by another bigger animal or you know, another rival lion, and he's there by the side of the road. Uh, he's whimpering as cats do. I don't know how cats whimper. Okay. Uh, he's just looking so sorry for himself, and he sees you driving along. He musters up all his strength and he begins to crawl a little bit towards you on his belly in the dust. And those big brown eyes are looking at you thinking, you can just hear his thoughts, help me, I'm in pain, I need somebody to care for me. And this lion's there gazing at you and I would feel sorry for that lion. Anybody with me? You know, I, I would really care about that lion. I would really hope that lion gets better. I might even make exception and pray for the lion. I don't know where you are with that. So I would really care about the lion, but there's no way I'm getting close enough to put that care into action. Yeah? Um, you know, a Levite and a priest were walking on, along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and they looked down one at a time and saw a man lying by the side of the road, beaten, stripped, robbed, they may very well cared about that man. And yet they didn't get close enough to do anything. They just carried on their journey. A Samaritan came and looked down at the same man. Didn't just feel sorry for him. Didn't just care about him. He got close enough to pick up that guy, put him on his donkey, bandage up his wounds and take him to an inn to, to be cared for. You know, it's easy. It really is easy to say, I care about people. It's easy to say, I care about people in my church or my revive team or my department. It's so easy to say that. And actually, we may care about them. One of the challenges that comes to me, though, is caring for them requires us to get personal and up close, to bind the wounds, to speak encouragement. And that requires us to build good, meaningful relationships. I'll come back to that in a few moments. How should we care for people up close and personal, out of relationships? Uh, secondly, we should care for them uh, sacrificially. Again, coming back to 1 John 3.16. That's been going around in my head so much over the last couple of months. 1 John 3.16, we lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Lay down our lives. That means sacrifice. Sacrifice means giving something up. It means giving something of ourselves. Now, what is the most precious thing that any of us have? Apart from Jesus, okay, Jesus is the most precious thing. Um, and of course, your husband or wife comes a close second if you're married. Um, but other than that, I think the most precious thing that any of us have is our time. Our lives are made up of days, minutes, years, hours. And the thing about time is this, that what I give away, I will never get back again. 
That's why time means so much. If I give you part of my time, I'm giving you part of my life, and I will, again, never recover that. If I give you my time, I'm actually giving you part of myself, part of the days that God has given to me. The most sacrificial thing that we can give is time. I want to say this to encourage some of us. You know, some of us might not have much money. (laughs) Okay, we're all thinking we're in that club. Okay, some of us might not have a lot of money to care for people. Some of us might not have a lot of skills that we think we can use for caring for people. But each one of us has time. And in my experience, it is time that matters most. If I'm supporting someone, uh, which I've tried to do to different levels of success over the years, uh, but if I'm supporting someone, the thing that they appreciate most isn't necessarily any skills that I have or the right words that I say. It's not even what I can perhaps give them financially or practically. It's this very fact that I have gone to spend time with them. You know, I, I do some pastoral work in prison. I'm one of the chaplains, and Malcolm's here as well. Malcolm's my senior chaplain, because he's older. <laughs> he's been doing it longer. Um, but, you know, when we go to the, the prison cells and we open the door, we don't quite know what we're going to find behind, uh, but we, we open the door and we go in and we see guys who are perhaps struggling. You know, we, we, there's not much we can actually give them. We're not allowed to give them a lot. And we all have limited skills and abilities, but just the fact that we've gone and we've spent time sitting with somebody and letting them talk, that's powerful. Every one of us has time. And I want to encourage us to use our time sacrificially and caring for each other. That doesn't mean being available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have our own responsibilities. We all need rest. But... Here's a challenge. How much of my time over the past 12 months have I spent just being with somebody who needs some care and some attention? We lay down our lives. That involves time. Let me move on. Final thing that I want to to say about this final question. What are the opportunities to care for each other? I hope we've been a little bit inspired this morning so far to get up close to people, to give our time, uh, to demonstrate Jesus to the world by loving for each other. Um, But I find in my Christian life, the thing that always trips me up, or trips me up more than anything else, isn't my desire, not even my willingness, it's actually the opportunity. Where do I find opportunity to really put this into practice? Now, each of you will have your own opportunities to care and to love people in your families, in your workplaces, in the various ministries, in the church, at school, or at college. We will all have our own opportunities, but I want to just highlight a couple of opportunities that I think we can put this into practice in the context of church. Um, And the first is this. I think we find opportunity through mission, through doing mission together. I don't mean going on a mission, again it's great that people are zooming off to Uganda and going on mission all over the place, got people going to France later on in the year and other places Uh, it's great to go on a mission but being on a mission for me simply means serving God where you are you have a mission field right where you are, your life is a 
mission. And of course, that mission for all of us will be very different, depends on what God has called us to do and the context that he's called us to do that in. But I believe every one of us has one element of mission that applies to all of our missions. And it's this. Part of my mission is to help you fulfill your mission. And part of your mission is to help the person sitting next to you fulfill their mission from God. All our missions are intertwined in God's great mission to reach the world for Jesus. So this isn't about me and just me and my mission and me doing what God wants me to do in the world. Actually, part of that is God empowering me in my mission so that I may empower you in your mission and encourage you in your mission. And as I begin to recognize that, relationships naturally start to form. Now, of course, we cannot do that with everybody. There's probably about 250 people in this room this morning, maybe 300. Um, I cannot help every single one of you fulfill God's purpose for your life. But I will say this, that as a group of believers, as a church, every one of us can find support and help from another person as we fulfill God's plan for our lives. So I want to encourage you, start to get to know some people and get to know what makes them tick. What is it that God has called them to do? And out of that context, begin to share words of encouragement, show some support, show some love, show some care, particularly if they get down in that, because we all get... Uh, discouraged in our mission sometimes, um, every one of us, get alongside people, know what makes them tick, encourage them in what God has called them to do. Uh, The second very practical thing, uh, many of you know we have revived teams in our church, I just want to throw this out this morning, um, as a practical way for some of us to be involved in caring for each other. You know, revived teams are are our midweek groups, for want of a better word, Um, some are very ministry-focused, Um, such as the worship team or uh, Revive Kids and Youth, very uh, ministry-focused. Others, Revive teams are very much more Bible study and prayer-focused. We have a whole variety of teams that meet together. um, But by the very nature, I was talking to one of our Revive team leaders earlier about this, by the very nature of being in a small group, relationships should naturally begin to be built. If you don't have friends in our church, and you want friends, some people actually don't want friends, but... um, (laughs) If you don't have friends in our church, uh, and you want friends, I want to really encourage you to get involved in a revive team, because you will find friends there. But the main emphasis of this message isn't particularly that I might find friends. I'm saying that in the context of small groups, we find an opportunity to love and to serve others as God calls us to love and serve others. This isn't about me saying to you, you need to be in a revived team so that you can get help. This is me saying, find a group of people so that actually you can be what God made you to be And you can be a person that brings strength and support to others in the context of relationships and what happens in those teams. Again, those teams aren't like hospital wards where we just go along when we're sick. No, no, it's about, I want to be, I love my revived teams. I'm part of a couple of revived teams. I love my revived teams. Why? Not because of what I get out of them, although they are really good, Rob. Bob, okay, Bob's one of my leaders. Um, I get loads out of them, but actually I love to be there when I can because of what I can 
input. How I can just say something at the right time to encourage someone. How I can build relationships with, with people. So I'm just throwing that out. You know, Revive Team's not the only way that we can build relationships and find opportunities to care. But I think they're a great way. If you're not part of a Revive Team and you're not really connected in different ways, then go to the info point after. Get, up some, get some information and join a Revive Team or get on the next Rooted course. And we've mentioned Welcome Lunch as well. If you haven't been to one of our Welcome Lunches, great way to start building connections where you can begin to support people. Okay, so we've looked at three questions. Uh, why should we serve? How should we serve? And what are the opportunities uh, to serve? Of course, a lot of what I've talked about this morning, we could consider to be pastoral sort of stuff, pastoral things. And um, yeah, being pastoral at its very heart is about caring for people. Um, in Revive Church, we have an amazing pastoral team, by the way. Uh, I love our pastoral team. They, they support me and they work with me. I want to honor them this morning. Uh, they love to fly under the radar. I'm not going to let that happen today, okay? Um, so I am going to embarrass all of them. If you're on our pastoral team, could you just stand where you are, please? Um, we've got a few new members that have joined us recently as well. Come on, there's some more of you. Okay, just look round, people, okay, at these, these amazing guys who give their time and their energy to support people. Can we just honour them and appreciate them this morning? Okay, that's enough, that's enough. I'll have to do a lesson on humility. If we, um, so they're our great pastoral team. They, they plough their energy and their time into this. Um, but actually, in many ways, they're not the only members of our pastoral team. As I said earlier, you know, God has called every one of us to love each other, to care for each other, to support each other. The pastoral team of this church is you, every single one of you. We're all in it together. Yes, we need people, uh, we need pastors and assistant pastors who have perhaps a different level of godly wisdom and understanding that we can go to for advice and prayer and things like that. But they're not the only people who care in the church. We should all be caring for each other. You are part of the pastoral team. Understand that. God says to you, love one another as I have loved you. So who's the pastoral team? Everybody put your hand up. Everybody, it's you. Well, let me round off. I've got two minutes. So what's the challenge this morning? My challenge isn't, will you care for people? I think that's a bit general. The challenge that I want to throw out to each of us is this. Will you put yourself in a place where you can really care for others? Again, it's not even about willingness. It's dead easy to say, I care about people, and if God brings people across my path who need support, I will support them. That's, that's being willing. That, that's a good first step. Actually, this is about being intentional, where I say, I am going to put myself in a place where I can find an opportunity to support and love and care for someone else. Opportunities for that mission we've talked about, Revive Teams, not going to mention that again. See, my heart, and perhaps my challenge to us, is really this. Will we join together 
in making Revive Church a community of people who really care for each other in the way that God calls us to care for others. Can we really join together in community that outworks itself in love and support and care? And that doesn't start with us saying, yes, I need somebody to support and love me. That starts with me saying, actually, I'm going to put myself in a place where I can love and support and practically care for somebody else. Let's just stand together. We're going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass people by asking you to put up your hand or come to the front, but I really want you to think real deep down now. And I get the fact that some of you have been let down or feel let down because you haven't had the support and care that you need. And sometimes that can be a thought pattern that we build up in our minds and that puts a block on us supporting other people. But whatever's gone off in your past, I want you to put an end to that right now. Okay, it's not about what's gone off in the past, it's about what happens from this day forward. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, we're going to ask God to help us to be people who care and love. And um, just echo these words in your heart, don't speak them out, just echo them in your heart. If you really want to say to God, God, I want to be a person who puts myself in a place where I can love others. So Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you again for Jesus who loved us so much that he gave his life. Lord, this morning we're challenged by those very words that you have called us to love each other as you have loved us. Just as you laid down your life, so you call us to lay down our lives. God, we find that a challenge. We we find that difficult. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would help us. Help us to know what to do and how to do it. Help us to love others as you have called us to love them. 